Exceeding Expectations, episode 26. Welcome to another edition of Exceeding Expectations, the, the podcast where we try to give you some ideas and ways that you can improve the experiences and the relationships you have with your current customers and ways to help it help make it easier to get new customers as well. We have a Facebook group called, funnily enough, Exceeding Expectations. Why not go on there, start conversations on some of the things that you hear in this episode and leave us a podcast review on um, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Android. There's, there's many different places where you are able to leave reviews for podcasts. This week, I speak with a guy called Neville Tynemouth and I would seriously advise anyone listening to this to make sure you have a pen and a piece of paper to write down some of the great suggestions that Neville gives. There is just so much information and some really interesting ways of thinking about maybe some of the things you do and thinking about how you can do some things in a different way. So as I said, make sure you've got a pen and paper and we're about to hear Neville Tynemouth. So another edition of Exceeding Expectations, and today I have someone by the name of Neville Tynemouth. Did I pronounce that right, Neville? You did indeed, sir. Yes, that's absolutely right. I was recommended to get in touch with you because I was told you are a person that I need to have on this podcast. So tell me more about yourself, Neville. What is it you do? Uh, I am a director of an organization called New Results. Okay. We specialize in business development. Uh, we specialize in helping businesses grow. But I think the link that came through was we've done a lot of uh, work around what we, we are calling the psychology of consumer and seller behavior. So I think the uh, the reference came in. We've done a lot of work about – so, you know, when we link back to exceeding expectations, we've done a lot mm. of work with service and sales and business development teams about how we go about looking at – the entire world through our customers' eyes, taking a different mm. perspective and actually just putting them in a in a brilliant position whenever they're dealt with in any any organisation. So I think that's why we're speaking today. That's that's the foundation piece. What sort of people is it you've been helping? Um, everybody from uh, we're really fortunate as a business. We we, we support everybody from startup organisations, so those um, in that fantastic position to be able to set the the culture and the tone and the approach that they want to take as a business uh, right the way through to we deal with some you know extremely large multinational organizations with their teams up and down the the country and and mm. you know a few bits of international work as well so um, we're very fortunate we're able to share some of our ideas and approaches with with different teams with different levels of experience and and the feedback we get is is generally this is a really uh, eye-opening experience for them Bizarrely, it, it came about. I um, I bumped into a doctor of psychology at a networking event, and this sounds very strange, but it was a, a a conversation that started with actually, you know, we're getting asked more and more about psychology when it comes to um, you know dealing with uh, sales and service and business development teams. So actually, could, could we just sit down and could I just pick your brains a bit as to how we might go about fitting in some elements and aspects of psychology to what we do? 
Um, so it was myself, a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. John Duggan, and um, my co-director, Mike Lever, that initially sat down. And, and the plan was to spend two or three hours over a cup of tea discussing some ideas and, and seeing where we went. What it actually turned out to be was um, um, what is to date a five-year relationship and a book that is ready uh, heading for publishing now and uh, a real deep insight as to uh, the, some of the core drivers that consumers have, a real understanding of some of the below conscious drivers that sellers and service teams have, and really, if I'm honest, Tony, a, a better insight as to why we all do as human beings some of the things that we do, which is really important, but, but, but also probably more important than that, why do we avoid certain things that we really should be doing? So when it comes to even the kind of the basic things in, in, in life, in service, in sales, in business, we find a lot of the time, um, you know, business owners or salespeople or those in service know what they should be doing, but at some level make a choice not to do it. And that really fascinated us. Where did that take you from there? What happened next? Well, what, what we started doing, we, uh, we, we, we spoke at a few events, you know, a bit like yourself, you start speaking to people and sharing some ideas and concepts. We uh, refined some training material, we, we ran some workshops, we did some taster sessions, uh, and we started getting a flavour of, um, you know, what really worked for people and the things that really helped them and gave them a, a very different insight. Um, as an example, we, um, we came up with a concept that we call the Green Line Effect, and the green line effect is uh, where you take somebody in, in terms of interaction and put them into a more positive emotional uh, state. Uh, and having worked with this doctor of psychology, it's kind of very obvious stuff, you know, put your customer in a, in a happy place. What we now understand at a below conscious level, some of the things that are happening within their brain is they're able to process things like uh, more complex information. They're able to process more information generally, uh, and also they become more adventurous. So when you're in a service setting or a sales setting, understanding how you go about exceeding expectations and putting somebody on the green line uh, allows you to put them in a better space to deal with, but also a better space to be open to more ideas about cross-sell opportunities or upsell opportunities um, or actually taking solutions or, or um, a, a service piece that really kind of helps them move forward. So we've done a lot of work with teams where what we call, um, sorry, that's been built around what we call the real customer journey, which is understanding some of the emotional drivers that people have um, and some of the things that uh, they need to kind of take account of when they're dealing with them in, in terms of sales or service. And then we add the things in like the green line model to allow them to, to really understand how things like exceeding expectations can really put their customers in that perfect space to engage with so the customers and clients come out with the exact service and sales that they want. Do you do this via, sort of, is it workshops or one-to-one -one coaching or how is it done? Actually, Tony, it, it, it's a real nice mix. It's a, um, it's, it, it's a mixture of uh, seminars or you know, keynote presentations. We've been fortunate to deliver this to, to some very large groups. Uh, we've delivered it uh, in training workshops. So we've brought organizations together and done some real interesting hands-on workshops where we can map out the customer journey and we can run through some of these things in terms of the, the green line and a few of the creative ideas for, for really engaging other people. But also on a one-to-one -one basis, we've been fortunate to work with some really great and forward-looking business leaders that we can sit down, we can talk these principles through, and they can understand uh, and go about applying them with their teams to really get that out there. And obviously, the ultimate goal is once the, the, the book is finalized and the the editors and publishers are happy, then uh, the book will be the next medium that will be sharing that one through. 
And so, so what kind of results have you been getting? Fascinating, some absolutely astonishing results, some genuinely really kind of eye-opening moments, and, and, and actually some things that are really, really subtle, but quite significant in terms of how they're applied. So, uh, you know, having listened to some of your mm. um, previous podcasts and understanding your ethos and approach, that little bit about giving that extra, mm. that bit that you talk about of, of recording the wedding speech and, and just give, giving that as an extra gift, it, it's really it's releasing some teams' creativity to do this because a lot of time people are kind of bound by what they think are the rules within which they have to operate within the business. And there's lots of um, ideas and constraints that um, uh, people uh, imply in themselves rather than actually going out and, and doing. So, so at a really simple level, mm. um, and, and these are just some of the little tiny little simple things that really stand out to me, um, uh, and we'll talk about some of the more complex mm. ones, but the real simple ones, uh, I walked into a client's the other day, they, they actually work with us in partnership, they, they're, they're an inbound marketing agency, I mean, uh, name checking them Thrive in, in Darlington, the north of England, mm. um, and we walk in and what's really nice mm. is uh, one of their uh, owners, one of their directors greets you, which is always nice and you know, there's always a, a lovely warm feeling when you walk in the office, but it's always, it's never, um, do you want a cup of tea and how do you take it? It's always... You'll want a cup of tea this time mm. of day, won't you? And it's builder's tea and no sugar. And it's just those tiny little mm. moments, those tiny little pieces of remembering and client focus that make people feel extraordinarily special. And, it, you know, how simple is that? Remembering how mm. a client takes their tea or coffee. But it's those tiny little strokes that put us on this positive emotional journey, on this green line effect, that make the interaction, the engagement much mm. more powerful. Uh, and even I'm, I'm trying to think mm. uh, again, just some simple ones to start off with. Um, we were fortunate enough to do some work with um, some stadium uh, conference and events teams up and down the country. Uh, and one of our local stadiums, mm. uh, the one we used, was the uh, St James's Park for Newcastle United. Uh, and and they did the tiniest thing on the, in the world, which is when we turned up to use a, an executive box to do some one-to-one work or very small group work, they took out the logo of the uh, the firm who actually owned the box on a weekend when football was on, and just put a simple, um, mm. just kind of picture of our logo into the into the A4 holder on the front of the uh, on the front of the door and it was just that tiny little piece of mm. acknowledgement and recognition that me as their client made me feel really special it it also i must admit when i took a photograph and mm. put it on twitter made my accountant extremely nervous because she thought we'd bought a, a box at Newcastle United and not told her which she was very <laughs> upset about and no no we haven't we haven't we haven't and we wouldn't because that's not the way we, you know I, not that I've, I, i'm a Newcastle fan but I, I wouldn't necessarily have a box there, but it's these little nuanced bits that I think uh, people are often looking for the, the the really big ideas. And the, I love the big ideas. I'll share some of the big stuff mm. with you. Um, but it's sometimes the the, the little mm. um, simple things that really, really kind of get me excited. Where we really engage people. Uh, uh, and equally, if I mm. flip that over, Tony, I've I've seen some examples of of people getting this really, really wrong. Uh, and, you know, um, I think we, we are both similar in terms of we go out and speak at various different events. Uh, myself and my co-director were fortunate mm. enough to speak at an event um, uh, a little while ago now, but we turned up and it was one of these, it's a conference venue that has rooms as well. And it was this, 
if I kind of paint you a picture as you walk into reception, it's a freezing cold day outside and you walk in and there's an open fire, this huge hearth and there's some really gorgeous high back chairs and it's a mix of modern and real, uh, some, some real traditional furniture and it's warm and it's sumptuous and the, the smell of the fire's there and you just, but honestly, you're instantly put on the green line just by the venue. But, but myself and my co-director are waiting to check in. We're speaking at the conference um, the next day to talk about some of these concepts. And there is a member of staff walking about handing us champagne. And I looked at my co-director and said, mm, hmm. is that person handing the champagne out starting to annoy you? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, absolutely. And we both could spot this. And what had happened was there was a queue of people waiting to check into the hotel to get a room, for, obviously, for the conference. And what they tried to do was put mm. people in a positive emotional state to uh, state, sorry, to exceed expectations by bringing out champagne. But what they'd missed in that moment was we were queuing to check into a hotel room. And the fact that they had a couple of members of staff checking people in and one member of staff handing out champagne, well, very quickly, you know, once the Mm. 10 of us in the queue had a glass of champagne, the person with the tray became redundant, but they continued to kind of circle and hover rather than to start checking people in to offer advice on what we need to prepare, documents, or to really kind of smooth and ease that process. So they thought about exceeding expectations, Mm. but one of the bits that they'd done, and we we see this quite a lot with organizations, they had missed the fundamentals. So one of the things that we often uh, end Mm. up saying to folks is, yes, you can do some really clever stuff, some real creative, high-end stuff, uh, stuff to exceed people's expectations. But firstly, can we check, please, are you doing the basics and are you doing doing them extraordinarily well? Because most organisations mm. are missing this. They're doing some stuff that's okay, uh, uh, um, and and really, there's more to be had in terms of exceeding expectations by just doing the basics and absolutely doing them, uh, you know, beyond everybody's expectations. Then you can build some really uh, key and clever things on top. Something sprung to mind there. I, I, I was in the States not last year, the year before. My my nephew was gradu- sorry, my wife's nephew was graduating. He'd, he'd been out there on a football scholarship. Uh, and I just had a really brilliant example of somebody doing this and getting it really right. Um, we were, <laughs> fortunate or unfortunate, um, we, um, we were, we looked, my wife and I sat and looked at the map and looked at where my nephew uh, was studying at and, and and we did that bit which I suppose a few tourists have done in the past which is oh he, he, Josh doesn't look too far off uh, off route 66 now that was with a glass of wine in hand and a very small scale mm. sc- uh, scale map of America where Josh was actually really quite a long way off route 66 mm. uh, and, and what we end up doing is said listen let's let's hire a car mm. we'll see Josh graduate and then we'll go and and we'll we'll do we can't do all of it because we don't have time but we will do as much as we can uh, we ended up doing, I think, I think it was something like four thousand three hundred miles in about ten days. So we, we did a lot of travelling, um, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and what was really interesting, and I don't know if you've ever come across this, Tony, when you get that point, uh, it, and somebody gave me this expression, when you start to feel hangry, that mixture of when you're hungry 
and tired and you just get hangry that and I occasionally get that and and Mrs. Timeout's really good she recognized this now and I'm starting to recognize mm. this and there was one day when we were we, we did route 66 back to front we actually headed back towards Chicago and, and we were heading for Chicago and I was getting quite hungry and she wanted somewhere to uh, stop and eat and so did I and we, we, we had a brilliant guidebook that had been given to us and we we found somewhere that wasn't too far from where we were in a, a little place called Litchfield just off the route 66 and it was a place called the Ariston Cafe so we went to the Ariston Cafe we pulled up in the car park and we trotted to the door and, and one of the things that really struck me in America is just how the simple things can be done really well so firstly that proper real warm enthusiastic greeting at the door hi good afternoon how are you doing pleasure to see you great you've made it to us all of the simple things done extraordinarily well and then um, the the owner of the place now it's been the same family I think since 1920 something 1924 I think it's been the family since uh, and the uh, the the um, son and daughter-in-law of the original owner um, were there running the place uh, and uh, I believe she's called Demi Demi comes across who's the the daughter-in-law of the original owner from 1924 and she she finds us a seat and she says listen makes a big fuss about us mm. generally and says listen guys before you go there's three things I need you to do first I need you to sign the mm. guest book okay yeah that, that's a given um, I want to make sure you go away with some free gifts from the Ariston which she Julie gave us which some fridge magnets and postcards and some other bits and bobs and she asked that we got behind the counter and had our photographs taken that sounds very sensible um, the guidebook comes across uh, the, sorry the uh, the guest book comes across and she's really proud to say uh, and I'm, I'm I'm feeling hungry and tired because there's a guy there because because I've been dri- driving so long and I'm, I'm hungry and tired and she's the last guy that just filled us in he's from Korea and I thought she was about to say he's cycling Route 66, which made me feel rather mm. queasy. But she said he's cycling around the world. He's doing Route 66 as part of this. And he stopped and thought, oh, my God, here's me feeling <laughs> tired and hungry. And look at that poor guy. So we filled the, the, the guest book in. And our waitress comes across and says, OK, uh, it's Thursday night. And do you know what? Tonight is uh, homemade fried chicken night. It's eat all you can fried chicken. You can have as much as you want, guys. What are you mm. going to have? It's kind of obviously you're going to have the fried chicken, isn't it? That's that's where yeah. you're going to go. And and you know the owner Demi kind of disappears off, and you know we're sat there having a a salad start, and the waitress fusses around us, and it's just really nice warm mm. atmosphere. And it's when the chicken arrives, it 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 comes out the kitchen, and it's you can see it's steaming, it's red hot, it's homemade, and it's the spices and the herbs and its traditional recipe, and this mountain of of, of really golden chicken arrives mm. on our table. And um, I take a bite of it and kind of go, yeah, you know, it's 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 good. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just good. And I go, you know, it's it's a wholesome food. It's it, it's it's absolutely mm. fine. The food did not blow me away, but it definitely wasn't bad. It was mm. just good. What did blow me away was when Demi's husband. Now I, th- I think it was called Nick. When he came across the restaurant before he even reached our table, he shouted across, "Hey, what are you folks?" from England doing eating my fried chicken. I didn't think fried chicken was a big thing in the UK. And that's when I thought, in terms of exceeding expectations, they have absolutely nailed this. He's either had to go and speak to his wife and find out where we're from, which is a a little extra bit that he's had to go and do, or he's had to go and find the guest book and check where we signed in as, so he knew to start that interaction when he Mm. came across. And in terms of exceeding expectations and making you feel 
absolutely at the center of somebody's world cost them no money, tiny, tiny bit of effort after, God, probably 40, 50 years of doing it, and they're still engaging customers and still making people feel really special. And I think that's a great example of where, you know, a really low-cost way where you can people you can make your customers feel extraordinarily mm. special. And that's why they've been in business that long, probably, as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, even down to, and I need to check this out for you, but uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that um, the, the restaurant ended up in a place that was a bit away from the highway and then moved it brick, brick by brick to the other side of the road to make sure that you get guests. So if you're prepared to do that, you must be doing something right. I've now got an image. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a, there was a, a Disney animated uh, film called Cars, and I seem to remember a scene like that, something similar to that in that film. But okay, <laughs> Do you know, I don't think I've. I, I, know, I know the film, but I don't think I've seen it. Oh, that's okay. That's right. yeah. Well, fascinating. When, when you've got a nine-year-old daughter, you get to watch a lot of these types of films. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes, yes. So, um, yeah, something that I was thinking about when you were talking about that, and 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 in your earlier story as well, is that the people that you're talking to and you're trying to help them help them with their mindset or help them understand the, the benefits of this? Do they um, do they need to have a particular mindset bef- before this will work, or are you able to change that in some way? Well, that's a really interesting point. That's um, we we uh, having worked with this doctor of psychology. One of the next stages we we developed, uh, and this really goes down to my uh, one of my co-directors, Mike Lever, who's also the uh, the third author of the book. Um, we have built mm-hmm. a little bit of a behavioural model. And we really started exploring why um, people do the things that they do. So uh, as an example, uh, we started exploring. This is a really fascinating insight when you can help people start to understand and appreciate this. Uh, and we built the behavioral model. And actually, it's, it's, it's built on probably my favorite expression on the planet. Uh, my favorite expression. You can, tell me, you can tell I'm smiling already about this. My favorite expression hmm. that I live my life by and I, I, uh, I help the team um, run new results by is uh, uh, there is nothing in life you have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a really challenging concept to some people. Some people kind of see it really quite quickly. But other people kind of um, really kind of push back against it. No, no, there's lots of things in life you have to do. And actually genuinely haven't explored this with individuals and groups and teams and organizations. There is nothing you have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. What's fascinating is when you start exploring with people uh, um, the choices that they make, the behavioral aspects that they are applying and the consequences they're getting, what you're able to assess really quickly is some of their behaviors uh, might be leading and choices might be leading to some really poor consequences. And once mm. they start to understand that and really appreciate that and see see that a lot of the things that they are getting are down to their own activity, then a lot of mm. people are really keen to start adjusting what they do to try something that's a bit different. And actually, this is a bit of a frustration, but it's a nice frustration. It's when people mm. come back to me after a workshop, and, and I'll, I'll often get an email or a, a LinkedIn message or a, or a phone call and say, hey, Neville, you know that stuff that you talked about? Yep, yep. You know, you, you talked about the green line. Yes. Well, I've done that with a customer. And do you know what? Well, it really works. And you kind of think mm. they're almost not quite believing in a workshop environment. But mm. when they go and try and, and choose to try it themselves, and then they come back with that kind of feedback, that's when we think things have gone extraordinarily well. Um, mm. And that little behavioral model, and I was thinking about this, and this isn't exceeding expectations piece. I, I shared that approach 
um, about there's nothing in life you have to do with with somebody who happened to come on uh, an open course that we run. And the course that we we'll, mm. we'll run on that is uh, we train managers and supervisors and leaders on non-directive coaching techniques. So a bit about how you help other people. Uh, and mm. this guy really didn't like this expression, there's nothing in life you have to do. If he disagreed with it, it really pushed back. If I'm honest, he wasn't a huge fan of the course. Mm. And when I phoned his company back afterwards, because it was a kind of a mixed course where a number of people came on, we did a bit of a mm. debrief and, you know, um, what was the feedback? And the feedback I got from his HR director was this person had left the business. Thought, well, okay, mm-hmm. that's that's quite significant. And beyond that, he actually cited your course as one of the reasons why he left. And, okay, well, <laughs> which particular part did he cite? <laughs> well, there's nothing in life you have to do. And they said what we'd realized was we pushed him into a position to get trained and do these things. And it was beyond what he wanted to do as an individual, as a human being. We were pushing up against his values in the wrong way. And mm. they'd come to a mutual agreement, which was he would move on. Now, I kind of mm. thought that's the end of the story. And that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, positive in terms of the company saw it as a positive because they weren't getting the best out of this person. And this person had chosen to move on. And, mm. and fast forward about two years, we went to pitch for a new piece of work to deliver exactly, you know, a, a really similar course into mm. one organization. It happened to be a technology-based organization. And um, uh, we were asked to do a pilot with three directors, which said, yes, no problem. We'll do a pilot with three directors. We normally have nine people on this course, so three is quite a nice number to really test it out. And one of the mm. directors turned up and said, do you know what? He said, um, I wasn't coming on this course because I don't do things like this. He said, but Mm. one of my team happened to see the invite and said to me, I don't care what you're doing or what you think might be important. You need to drop everything and get on this three-day course. And it was the guy who left a previous company. He'd gone to work at this company that we were – and I didn't know this. He'd he'd gone Mm. to work at this, and he'd recognized the power and value of actually seeing the world a bit differently. Uh, and, wow. you know, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased to say we've worked with that organization now for, I think it's come up to two and a half years where we've really helped unlock some of the coaching ability. But we've also started kind of, you know, helping some of their managers and leaders and supervisors understand their personal behaviors, their accountability. Uh, and the mm. model that we use, and, and, you know, Mike, my co-director, kind of pull all this together and all of our thoughts together, looks at everything from uh, an individual's identity uh, their values, their motivators, their beliefs. And then he came up with a really simple ABCD model, which is their awareness, their bias, their comfort zones, and their decisions. And we also look at the, the lenses that they look at the world through, whether that's a, a telescope, a big picture lens, whether it's a microscope, a real fine detail, or a mirror where it's a real reflect, sorry, reflective practice in what you do. And then finally, we mm-hmm. go through their attitude, and then we look at the behaviors that they uh, exhibit to the outside world. And when we're able to unpick some of these things, we can often take people on a journey where they can say, yeah, I can start to see how I can start exceeding expectations just in some of the very simple things that I choose to do or choose not to do. Something that I was thinking about as you were, as you were saying all of that, and so you know, people are starting to have a realization that they can get different results by doing things in a different way. And something that often happens when people attend a, a workshop or a seminar and they're all kind of fired up afterwards, they've heard this great information and then a couple of weeks later they've forgotten all about it. How, how Do you yes. try and take something like that into consideration? How, how do you um, fight against that? 
Well, a, a number of different ways, actually. And, and this is the, seems to be the constant issue that uh, lots of organizations have. And we've, we've made some mistakes in this space, like a lot of organizations have. And actually, we're mm. getting some really great feedback as to how we help this piece now. So if mm. we, if we, if somebody attends one of our seminars, we'll, uh, and it's funny because I'm delivering something this week where I'll mention this. Uh, and we, um, what we do is every single week as an organization, we put out a little video. So it's a little kind of two, three minute video and we call it try this this week. And we've been doing it for about four years now and it lands in everybody's inbox at about 12 o'clock and it'll say, here's some really simple things you can do that are practical, hands-on, things you can do straight away to help you, your business, your organization, your team, whatever it might be. So that's a real simple way of us giving a little bit of a nudge. If they've been on a workshop, uh, one of the things that we tend to do is we do a lot of work beforehand to engage teams so they understand what they need to do. So they tend to meet mm. our trainers before we deliver any training or workshops. Uh, we tailor language and approach to workshops, but we also do some things that others don't. So we, we've, um, we've completely stopped using PowerPoint now. So in mm. any training or any workshops that we deliver, we don't use PowerPoint. If I'm on stage, obviously I do because you need that kind of uh, visual reference. But if it's in a smaller group, we never use PowerPoint. Everything we do is what we would call discovery-led learning. Mm -hmm. So learners get a chance to ask, to challenge, to debate, to discuss. And because we take time to meet the teams, we tailor our language and our approach and any kind of little exercises that are very specific to them. We get some great feedback about how specific we can make this to industry. Um, mm. As an example, we did a, a little work uh, uh, on Green Line in uh, the health and beauty industry. And mm. um, if anybody sees a photograph of me, will know I'm not a big advocate of the health and beauty industry because I just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not me. But we, we, we did a bit of research and we found things like um, when you are handing somebody some product to try, perhaps it's on the face, perhaps it's on the their arms or the skin or the hair, whatever it might be, if you give mm. them a, a smell of that product first, uh, the smell is the um, one of the five senses that connects, sorry, the only of the five senses that c connects directly to the brain and memory. And it creates mm. much stronger links than any of the senses uh, when mm. it comes to it. So just by doing that little bit of research allowed us to reframe our workshops. So when they talked about the health and beauty process and how they engage people, they were able to apply that technique really successfully. So people would be taken back to that really positive emotional um, state in the salon and come back time and time again and tell other people about how great the service was and how great the whole experience was. So we use techniques where we've really done the research. And then beyond that, and this is, uh, and again, this is just the technique and approach that we use. We always give people um, six months worth of support post a workshop so we say listen if you want to email us after a workshop or you want to find out more or just dig in we do that but we also send them some reminder videos of their very specific workshop so if if you came on a workshop with me um, a week ago sorry a, a day ago you'll you'll get a, a, an email today remind me what we covered off then it'll be a week's time then four weeks time then um, three months time and then six months time will remind you of the things that you've done. The other thing that we do, and this is we're really interested in kind of helping this behavioral shift piece is we have a really simple but effective action plan that teams commit to throughout the, the workshops. And, and they fall, it, it falls into four categories. The things they're going to start doing, 
the things they're going to stop doing, the things they'll do more of, and the things they'll do less of. And we encourage them with these little nudges and reminders to go back to their action plan. Uh, if they report into somebody or uh, are part of a bigger team, we ask them to take their actions back and share them publicly and talk about the things they're going to do differently and really work with an accountability partner who will keep them on track for those actions because we know We've done some some research, and as uh, Dr. Gil Matthews has pointed out, if you have a goal written down, if you have it uh, shared with an accountability partner, and if there's a, a, a really important degree of follow-up, then the chances of that actually happening are much higher than just mm. thinking about a vague goal yourself. So we've really helped people kind of help make these shifts and moves by giving them all the tools and support and help that they need to, to kind of uh, change their behaviours in real positive ways. That approach is, I mean, it's, there's so many people delivering workshops and mm. it seems to me that on the whole, most people just, they deliver the workshop and then that's it, goodbye. And, yeah. you know, and it, hopefully the attendees will remember what's been said <laughs> and maybe they won't. Yes. But your approach is, it's, that, it seems to me that should be the standard approach, that there should be a lot of follow-up just to make yeah. sure it has been implemented and people do truly understand it and are able to, to use it in their ongoing life in some well, way. There's even before we get in the room, and, and this is one of the ones where we, we we like to live our own values. So we talk about you know the simple things that put people in a positive emotional state. Uh, we did some work, and this is a little while ago now, but it was with a team, an organisation who trained people on disability awareness. Mm-hmm. And what was unusual was this entire group, it was a, a not-for-profit, a charity organisation, they were all partially sighted or blind. So... Mm-hmm. You start thinking, okay, so we're delivering this workshop now. This is going to prove a little bit of a stretch because everything we traditionally do is in a workbook. We hand a workbook out and thought, actually, how is that going to work? So Mm. we we met with them. We discussed beforehand. But then we sent an email uh, and we confirmed that we could send an email that that, get this and we'd follow this up and said, actually, we have options in terms of how we deliver this workshop and the format and the collateral to you how would you like it delivered and they were mm. absolutely blown away and said and all the time they'd work with external agencies nobody had taken a moment to say actually how do you want to receive um information uh, and mm. it was the simplest thing to ask and the simplest thing for us to do because a lot of these guys had uh, plain text readers so if you strip some of the mm. images out the, the, the readers would actually read the workbook to them and then they could speak and then record their own kind of follow-up and they could bring it all together with some of the the, the help they had around them. But they, mm. And honestly, you, you stand back and you think, hang on, just asking that group of people before you turn up in the room, how do you want this material? What format's going to work best for you? That's not a complex thing to do, but it certainly mm. exceeds their expectations because they'd never experienced that before. You're, just come back to your book. What what is the title of the book? As yet untitled. <laughs> That's the hard bit. That's one of the bits we're waiting to uh, to uh, explore with um, editor and publisher. We have an internal um, title, uh, actually an, a number of internal titles, uh, but it's the, the mm. broad topic is the psychology of consumer and seller behaviour, which will probably be a, a subtitle at some point in some way, shape, or form. But we're waiting to confirm that final title. Actually, bizarrely, the three authors are all together in a couple of days' time to, to make those final amends before we uh, push the button and send it off to um, a couple of places to get some feedback and, and get next steps. And, and so what is your aim for the book? How do you hope it will help people? I mean, is it aimed at what, – what type of people is it aimed at? Uh, it, it's aimed at anybody who interacts with customers in any way, shape, or form. 
So that could be a business mm. owner, uh, it could be a service director, it could be a salesperson, it could be uh, frontline service teams. It, anybody who interacts or engages with customers at any level or is interested in mm. how they go about improving and developing their business uh, and growing the service that they offer, that's where it will fit really well. Uh, and we're keen mm. that in terms of how it helps people, we're really keen that it, it offers something a bit different. So we, we have a slightly different approach in terms of how we're doing this. So we have a, a really nice flowing storyline right the way through. So it's a, it's a story. And then we have a layer that sits below that, which is around the practical business application. So you've read the story, but you want to apply that very specific bit. Well, okay, here's some business tools and applications and ways we uh, might use it. And then below that, because we know people are curious about this, uh, Dr. John Duggan has written the uh, all uh, gathered all the uh, the research and the evidence that kind of points out why these things are work and effective. Uh, and we know these mm-hmm. things work anyway because we've delivered them in a commercial environment for quite some time now. But we've got this three-strand mm-hmm. approach for the book where we talk a lovely story that's nice and engaging, hopefully. We've got some really simple business tools that people are going to apply and, and pick up and say, yes, I understand the principle and that's how I apply it to what I do in my role or my business. And then for those that really want the detail, we've got actually here's all the research, here's all the, the thinking, here's all the background, here's all the psychology that tells you why these things will be positive and will help and will work for you. And so you said that you haven't got the title yet. Is the actual content finished? It is, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and actually, the content's been finished for a little while now. What we're doing is we're polishing, refining before we get it out to publishers. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I say that is that process finishes on Friday. We've agreed, we've committed to that. And that's that, this is me saying it publicly. So that'll hit, um, yeah. it'll, that'll, that'll be hitting publishers and um, a few editors straight after that. Um, and so when do you hope it will be published by? I'm hoping we're going to get it out uh, really soon. It's, you know, I'm hoping we're not a massive distance from where we need to be in terms of uh, any uh, final amends and edits. So it, mm. it would be lovely to have it out later on this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the summer, perhaps uh, autumn at the latest, mm. uh, where copies are hitting the shops and, and landing on people's desks, because that's, that's an important bit for us. Fantastic. Well, it's, I mean, time has flown by. It always seems to whenever I have these. It's 36 minutes. So before we finish, Neville, um, what I'd just like to get your thoughts on just customer experience on why people maybe should try to uh, over deliver and exceed people's expectations. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's an opportunity for everybody to leave. And this is a principle we use as a business. And I don't mind people recycling this and using it for themselves. Our principle and our guidance as a business is to leave our customers in a better position, whether we do business with them or not. Now, what mm-hmm. I see a lot of the time is I see businesses, and I'm, I'm going to, at this stage, I'm going to just kind of focus it on zooming in into retail. And retail has had some challenging times. Uh, and does some stuff extraordinarily well, but also it does some stuff really quite poorly. So what I tend to observe is if I go into any kind of retail outlet, generally, I um, I get greeted with the same standard response, uh, you know, can I help with anything? Uh, and I tend to respond no, because I know why I tend to respond no. And even when I do need help or I'm looking for something, I tend to respond no. And what fascinates me is, and go right the way back to when I started talking about there's nothing in life you have to do, um, what I find is people just tend to fall into these really easy and comfortable patterns of behavior that aren't as productive Mm. as they could be. And a lot of the time we have people uh, wandering about, almost not thinking about these things, and actually doing themselves a disservice. 
So we find, and this is the fantastic piece when you start getting, you know, at a sort of below conscious level. So people will automatically ask things that they are no, sorry, that they know will give a poor response from clients because it's comfortable and it's easy to ask and say and do. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we call it almost this little dance. It's this little piece where they'll ask that question, do you need any help? And I'll say no. And they feel good because they've actually asked a question, which is great. And I can't be helped. Mm-hmm. So they think they've done their piece rather than actually mm-hmm. just going and starting a warm and friendly and genuine conversation. And I had exactly that. I'm just trying to think. I was out with my wife a couple of weeks ago. My wife was out buying some, uh, some, some new clothes and we happened to walk into a store. And I'm always fascinated as to how... Uh, retail chooses to engage and you know kind of serve me as a customer and and the lady mm. approaches its particular shopping center which is covered uh, but has open ends to it so it's, it's quite a windy place it's known for being mm. quite windy and quite blowy and as we walk into the store she went oh you've done well today you've arrived at the windiest place on earth and we started mm. a warm and friendly genuine conversation on that basis not because it was anything Mm. clever or difficult or challenging but it was because of a human factor a bit of authenticity a bit of a conversation yes my wife did spend money in that store yes i did have a good Mm. browse about while she was doing that i didn't end up buying anything because nothing there i wanted but just that Mm. difference that people can make with some really simple things can have a big effect and and i do just Mm. worry and i get concerned that you know, people hold their hands up and say, well, you know, retail's having some issues or uh, sales is having some issues or we can't get service right, when actually a lot of the real simple things that people can do are right below their noses, we're just not mm. taking the time to actually observe it, first of all, and then do something a bit different. Mm. Just doing the simple things. Yeah. 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 Keep looping back to that. Keep doing the simple things, the basics, and do them extraordinarily well. Well, Neville, if, if people, I mean, I can't wait for your book to come out. For, for, Good. <laughs> for, if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where, where should they go? Um, yeah, well, we haven't had a chance to talk about this today. I wrote a book a little while ago on LinkedIn. So quite surprisingly, mm-hmm. you'll find me very active on LinkedIn. So come and find me, Neville Timemouth, and, um, on, on LinkedIn. You'll find new results on LinkedIn. And um, if folks look for the new results website as well, uh, there's a resources page. So if you're curious about the green line, you can download the, the, the green line resource. And there's a whole stack of other pieces that we just give you access to in the website to go out and play with. Um, and I say we do this regular try this this week video. If uh, folks would like to sign up for that, that's a great way of just finding out some of the things we do. So, so come along and get engaged. Okay, but all of those things you just mentioned, we'll put all of those in the show notes. So um, anyone who's listening, just have a look in the show notes and you can see all of this, all of the things that Neville just talked about. So, well, Neville, I really appreciate your time. It's been some fantastic information and stories that you've given. And um, yeah, I look forward to, to meeting you. Tony, that's really much appreciated. Thank you. Wasn't that a great episode? Some fantastic value there from Neville Tyneman. And in next week's episode 27, I speak with John Rulin, the author of a book called Giftology. And he just gives so much value in next week's episode. You really do need to listen because there is just immense value and suggestions and tips of how you can really improve your business and really establish a much better relationship with your customers and with prospective customers as well. It's absolutely an episode you have to listen to. Um, if you like the episode, why not share it with people you know who might find it useful, that this, this episode and next week's episode. And maybe you know someone who would just really benefit from some of the advice that's given in this episode. 
Um, it would be great if you could join our Facebook group, maybe start a conversation on something that you've heard. Leave a review for us on iTunes, on Android, Stitcher, and all the uh, various podcast players. Hope you've enjoyed the show, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.